Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, you miserable bastards, and welcome to the first Misery Hunters podcast of the year of our Lord, Declan Gallagher, 2023. We've made it, we're back, we took some time off over Christmas, we commentated, we drank, we commentated, we drank a bit more. You know, it's been a, it's been a good, a good day, a good bit of time, but the fun has to stop somewhere, and this is where the fun stops, with us getting back to releasing podcasts again. So here we are. What better way to start 2023 by taking an entire podcast to talk about 2022? And that's what we'll be doing. I am not Jamie Coburn. He is in Italy. I am Mark Jardin. And joining me, I have Sam Smith. Bonjour. Craig Devine. And Andrew Christie. Good evening. Almost a full house. Ross has currently um, been interviewed by CID for allegedly slapping the former Duke of Sussex and uh, pushing him over onto a plate after making fun of his wife, which is about to be revealed in an autobiography, apparently. And uh, as mentioned, Jamie's eating a ham in Italy and sending us pictures of the ham. That did just look like a big plate of ham, did it? Yeah. It looked magic, to be fair. Apparently that's culture. Uh, <laughs> I could go put my honey roast ham in my, my packet of honey roast ham in my plate and make it look that nice as well it's probably a good gammon steak and a slice of pineapple Aye, that's what we lost that's what we lost with Brexit wasn't it yeah. you're not even allowed to put pineapple on a gammon steak now if you do that they come and take you away how long are we into recording here because we've already got a lot of gold for that out of context misery hunters <laughs> <laughs> fuck out of context misery hunters just you, you, you come for my boy Craig. You come for all of us. Not, uh, not having it. The, the worst part is you could uh, quite easily find uh, a lot of horrible stuff we said about Curtis Men. So yeah, big time. A lot of. But uh, we take it back now. We take it back now. A lot of nice stuff said about Lee Irwin at one point. I'm sure. By no one else other than me as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've got a year to review, so let's review it. 
I'll, um, I'll kick us off. We've, we've not picked something from every month, but we have just picked a few things from from each. One of us will take three months at a time and, and we've picked a couple of things to go over. To start the year, we come into it on an absolutely shite run of form. There was nothing to get excited about. Our number nine get injured. We had Lee Irwin and a pre-Renaissance Curtis Main sitting on the bench. And we had no one in the team to try and score the goals to catapult us back to form. Form, and then out of nowhere, Tony Fitzpatrick's connection on LinkedIn that somehow got us tagged onto a football club in New Zealand from a division which, having read earlier, no longer exists. It's a defunct football division <laughs> that Alex Grieve was playing in, where he'd scored three hat tricks in the space <laughs> of like two months. Yeah, Alex Grieve made his way over to Glasgow Airport, got himself a lovely wee flat near Brayhead, I'm assuming and rolled up having never played a professional game of football before. He, uh, he made his debut, on the, he signed on the 18th of January, he made his debut on the 25th of January, he got his first international call-up on the 26th of January, and then he scored the winner in a top-flight Scottish game on the 9th of February. Does it not just make you feel kind of warm inside? Is it not just the nicest thing that's ever happened? Aye. <clears throat> Aye. Yeah. That's bit, I think you, especially with all the, the talk about the like I think he came over in like a ridiculous like physical state as well. Like apparently he was pretty sure I heard people saying like he was like sub three per he was like three percent body fat and all that. He was like fitter than half the guys there. Uh, like it's just such a such a nice story. Like a guy who's just paid a fortune to come over here and gambled essentially a I mean he's now gonna have a whole career out of this, like at a good level. And he all because he took a gamble, spent a fortune, lived in the Glen Hill for like two weeks, probably. I don't know, do we still put people in the Glen Hill? I think, not, I think we might be past that now. I thought the club had like three flats. I seem to remember <sighs> that from the days when we just loaned people from Newcastle. All the time that we had a couple of... Did, who was it that got locked in a toilet once at the... Is it Renfrew Village? Is that what it is? The Ferry Village, right. Ferry Village. Who, who got locked in the toilet and had to get let out by John McGinn or something? Know, that was definitely a thing. It was probably. Newton or Dummett or Adam Campbell. Right, well, I'm, if you're going for the thick one, it'll be Connor Newton. But uh, it's just the grief thing's just such a nice story, man. It's just ridiculous for a guy to take that sort of gamble, come over and for it to pay off so well for the yeah. point. I mean, he was on the cusp of going to a World Cup. Like, uh, just so, so nice. I know half of that story that he'd, he'd kind of paid a lot of his own way. Aye. I think our, he's on flights, so. our thing with the, the club out in New Zealand was mostly for youth football, was it not? It was, it was, yeah. a, is it not through that um, tour company that Fitzpatrick's got dealings with? Yeah. I just, is it inspired? Buy a sport. Yeah, I just assumed, you know, it was a kind of, we'll get their youth club over here at some point if they want, like we do with the club in Belfast and the club in Australia have done. And out of nowhere, this this guy starts getting some attention, getting some headlines for some freaky, um, freaky stats. For, for I mean, it, it was something like three hat tricks in eight games, or or something. Yeah, he'd scored more goals than he played games. I think like I think yes. he had a ridiculous record. And then I think it was it was out of context, boys. I actually put up a clip out the day, like you said. Like it doesn't matter if who you're scoring goals against, like the the talent of putting the ball in the back of the net, yeah, doesn't it? Doesn't go. Doesn't he really go away? It doesn't he fade away if you're playing at a higher level? You're still able to put the ball in the same net. The same you look at a boy like, like um, Ross Stewart. Ross Stewart at 19 was playing for co winning. Um, and then got his 
got his move out of the juniors to was it Albion Rovers. Did exactly Albion the Rovers. same thing at Albion Rovers. From Albion Rovers, he gets a deal with us. Alan Stubbs happens. He goes to Alloa, does well there. And before you know it, he's, I mean, he's, they're talking about getting, what, £15 million offers this? This transfer Aye. window, potentially bottom half of the Premiership looking at him. Aye. It's just um, goals are goals. Like, I, I know it's a bit of a simplistic way to look at it, but I think um, I'm entirely in favour of us taking a chance on. It's not always going to work out as well as it has with Alex Grieve, but um, I'm, I'm so happy it happened. It's it's only really when you go back and do something like this and look at how things actually played out in terms of timing. It's mad. It's mad. You think you know the half of it and then, like, I mean, eight days from signing his first professional contract, you know, European club and all the rest of it, to getting the call up to go and fly back to New Zealand. And I think he came on in that first game when he got called over for as well. It's just mad. I think it's great come to life, isn't it? Yeah. I think with Grieve as well, you could always tell that when he came over, he was obviously very, very raw. But the the stuff that he was maybe missing was entirely coachable stuff. Yeah, big thing. And like you said, like if you can score, you can score. And when uh, we were lucky enough to interview him not long ago, and um, he was just saying how Stephen Robinson is the most kind of tactically you know, on it manager he's ever had. So if he stays at some month for, for a while, which I very much hope he does, you know, Robinson's going to get, he's just going to keep improving and wherever he ends up after, he's going to get better and better and I also just seems like a, like a lovely, lovely guy. So, yeah, yeah it's just a brilliant story. I had the chance to speak to him a couple of times with like, chasing him down for signatures and t-shirts for the pod and stuff and asking him if he is familiar with the concept of a birdbath, which, after I mentioned it to him twice, he definitely isn't, although he is now. Also, uh, when we when we did interview him, when we did interview him, we asked him what his favourite Lord non Lord of the Rings New Zealand film was, and he answered The Hobbit. So it's very odd. Sort of that out, Alex. But other than that, <laughs> do you think that's just like conditioned into you in schools in New Zealand? That's like you, you must show loyalty to the Peter Jackson verse. <laughs> that's what you do. You do your critical essays on the Hobbit, and as Aye. soon as you move up to high school, it's into the, the Lord of the Rings. You get the the real movies to speak about. Scottish <laughs> equivalent, is there one? Gregory's Safer. girl. We all said a different one. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet yeah. sixteen or something like that. I think. Uh, yeah, to 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 graduate from high school here, you need to watch Sweet Sixteen without the subtitles on, <laughs> and describe it to an English person. Um. From the from the sublime to the to the painful, the second and it coincidentally it did happen just at the start of February. One of the, one of his last uh, actions before disappearing, Jim Goodwin trying to sign Lee Griffiths. Can you believe Fuck. that that's within the last year? Yeah, Jeez, oh man, Lee Griffiths who can't get a game for what the MacArthur Park Department in Brisbane or something. Who latest conversation is about maybe going to the team that Richard Taylor was with last season that didn't get promoted he's actually, to the he's Irish club? Jesus Christ! Aye, it's just the pals act, isn't it? Almost, almost as one player. And um, we talked about it a lot at the time, and I think it's one of those <coughs> things where people thought it was a lot of fuss over nothing, and nothing happened. He had a contract signed at our side. <laughs> 
sitting there like that was 100% happening. That was not speculation. That was happening. And then it didn't. It was a really smart move for Goodman to get people on side. Yeah. Really smart. Man of the people. I think now, people I'm... would actually like Curtis Mayne a lot earlier than before. But the worst part about the Griffiths thing was that there was supporters that thought that he yeah. was like, oh, he might be the difference between us getting top six. Because, uh, you know, obviously since he went into Falkirk, couldn't they get signed before for? Then obviously played in played with plumbers in Australia. In no, 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 but I, I fit and firing Lee Griffiths. Fit and firing. Went to goals oh, a man, that phrase. No, yeah, but just yeah. you know, it's not it's not that long ago that he was scoring those free kicks against England. It's like, well, it was five years ago then. Five years it's... ago and four hundred thousand caramel wafers ago. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, I'm sure McGregor's here. Was the the fan reaction part of why we didn't sign them then? Oh, big time! Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. People talk about what the Smizer do. I think Smizer, to their credit, picked up on the the fan sentiment, the kind of reasonable fan sentiment about that, and made their feelings known. Yeah, I don't think so. The, the SLO has been engaged on the Twitter and Facebook, uh, yeah, and I'm yeah. pretty sure they get involved as well at one point. Very uh, responsive, as well as like a, encouraging as well as comment a, and saying, you know, putting it in the right place. Uh, as well as being a horrible guy, he was also he's, he, he also is a very bad footballer. Yeah. So that, that was why it was yeah. a bad move. Well, that's the thing, people, so many people were like, well, leave all the personal stuff aside and concentrate on football. Well, concentrating on the football, he's a hideous footballer. So he's fucking that's I conversation over as far as I was concerned, yeah. He yeah, has as many Scottish goals as tea, ca- tea cakes eaten on TV in the last two years. Oh, I just realised I said caramel wafer when I meant Tannock's tea cake. I'm sure he is. I'm, 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 I'm devastated. I mean, I'm sure he eats both of them. I think you think guys asked. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if I'm about to encroach on one of your points, Mark, for the farm. I'll kind of skip past it. But imagine Goodwin signed Lee Griffiths and then buggered off a couple of weeks later to Aberdeen and left us with that. Do you Griffiths a, playing in a Robinson team? I think there's a good chance that Robinson would have probably killed Lee Griffiths. Yeah. For no running. Imagine imagine, yeah. imagine Lee Griffiths being told to do what all of our strikers can now do and that includes the ones that are out alone like Jameson and Offord mm-hmm. who are all able to Press from the front because they're incredibly fit. Oh, I'd love to watch Lee Griffith. I'd actually now sign him and see. I'd love to actually watch it. It's with the benefit of um, hindsight as well. At the time we were going to sign him, he was already, I'm assuming, under investigation for yeah, suspicious right. betting activity <laughs> for that for that uh, yellow card. Him and Gowser uh, uh, allegedly Dundee, at, um, at Dundee and the manager of Trinent Juniors allegedly. Um, just mad that it was even considered. Not not even that it was considered. It was briefed to the press that the Aye. press were told it was happening, so that it gained like press attention. So that Goodwin was then asked about it in a interview, and they could then say, "Oh, you know, we need a bit of uh, quality up front, and leave someone who can definitely offer that." Just. Mind-boggling that less than a year ago that's the situation we're in. People talk about like stuff off the park and all the rest of it. Currently, we are sitting fifth in the table, 
We've got players that are talked about seven-figure moves. <coughs> all the other stuff that there is to shout about in less than 12 months ago because the manager didn't trust international striker Alex Grieve enough while Eamon Brophy was injured. He was trying to sign the most down-and-out bum in Scottish football. <laughs> Just mad. Well, in January, aren't we? That was the 3rd of February. So we're a full 34 days into the year. But it's just something else happened in February as well. Oh, did, they, did something else happen? Oh, yeah. The manager went on uh, went on record saying that he was here to see through our project and that this would be the year that he took us to the top six. And then off the back of 12 games without a win and then four wins, he got the third biggest job in the country. Talked off. That was good, wasn't it? <laughs> that was fun. I never had uh, I never had signal that day when that <laughs> happened. And obviously the Lucky you, know, you. I never had signal for like from nine in the morning to about five at night. And uh, I remember like just coming out and my phone had just like completely blew up. I mean, yeah. I think everyone had knew everyone had known it was going to happen on the Thursday night. I think it was fairly obvious that he was going to go. Yeah. But like just the reactions and the total heads gone for some people was that was so funny. It, it's funny looking back at the time you're absolutely raging because we were flying at that point. But I, it was just very, very, very funny looking back to see some of the reactions. And obviously, you're going to talk about some of the names that were linked with in the subsequent reaction to who we ended up getting. But yeah, it was that was a mental month. Can we talk about Lee Sharp any more than the Prime Minister? Aye, fair, fair play to that We walk and talk and clipboard <laughs> To collect cones in the northeast, <laughs> To strut around Cormac Park And his Balenciagas Picking up cones Wrestling seagulls over training cones uh, I, I still don't know what that guy does, he earns, he, a, does. he earns a salary that according to some people In Paisley would bankrupt our club Does he get paid more than our manager? Maybe <laughs> He does actually <laughs> Insane. He's the he's the like proper example of like only getting a job because your pal's a manager. Like he he won't he won't get another job at like any decent level in football when Goodwin decides that that isn't for him anymore. Oh, Which I mean I, I, I'd imagine actually might be very soon, but he's not the type of manager that the assistant manager you ever are going to see linked with the like the fucking for job or something ridiculous, do you know no. what I mean? But you sometimes see the kind of names banded about it. Assistant manager goes to XYZ, that is not Lee Sharp. No, no chance, that's not happening. I think they Never. looked at David Martindale being the groundsman at Levy and then working his way up and thought, right, there's got to be someone here that just does a fairly basic job that we could stick in as assistant manager and maybe something will happen. Because I don't, I don't see the logic beyond that, if I'm honest. I still think it's mental they took Goodwin. Yeah, I think that's a uh, like look like Goodwin. Goodwin's Goodwin. Like I don't blame him for taking the Aberdeen job. Ah, oh, no chance. Like no. he's still a hero. There's no like with the benefit of time, he'll be a hero again. Like without the caveat and all the the rest of it. And across across these three and a half years, he, he did a good job. Like there's no there's no getting away right. from that. There's he deserves credit for all that job. kind of stuff. Nobody's, okay job. 
Yeah, I'm not going to pretend it was like lovely football, and I'm not going to temper how much I enjoy it that we're better now, and that he's three points worse than Stephen Glass. I just think it's very funny that you kind of nailed it right there. He sat and talked about being there for a project and being there long term, and it was it was less than two weeks later, wasn't it? It was gone. Yeah. Aye. Yeah. There's a few lies in that press conference because mm-hmm. he also said that uh, Gogic had zero interest in staying in Scotland. And obviously, uh, Gogic is still in Scotland as well. So, well, that's like Gogic, Gogic said that the player of the year, that he had never said that. <laughs> he, had, um, he had a lot of previous for that, which makes, you know, again, I'm, I'm going to do what, what's been done already and, and jump forward to something that we're going to talk about in a minute. But it just makes all the like, Nicker pushing they went on about what Robinson says in interviews all the dafter when you look at the way that Goodwin talks about people yeah. like even even now at Aberdeen he's talking about people that aren't going to be there beyond the end of the, the year you've got a guy like Christian Ramirez who was like their best player by a distance last season and he's like given a leave of absence before the season's over and sent away and they can't sell him and now he's coming on and stopping Aberdeen players from scoring open goals against us and Number 99, Christian Ramirez, took his number nine jersey off him. It's unforgivable, Jim. You've got blood in your hands. I just... The the, the willful blindness as to what Goodwin was like, what's and all, like the good and the bad, as soon as it's someone that you're not pals with or that you don't like as much because he didn't captain us in a cup final. Just find it so odd. Like you look at all the stuff like Considine, the way the Considine leaving Aberdeen was handled. Mm-hmm. And um his post where he named every manager he'd played for. Aside from Goodwin. <laughs> Did Erehan not it's... do something similar as well? At the end of the I, season? Yeah, again, not not to skip forward to the games we'll probably cover, but it was the, the last game of the season when we played them up at Patoji. I think he Erehan put a picture of Himself and him and the there. Evan both made a sake Both call. liked it, yeah. Yeah, so I just, all that glitters, man, I, I, I just think it's all, we all get a wee bit too emotional about Goodwin at the time and all the rest of it, and then I think a lot of people let that cloud how they felt about what happened next. Um, but before we get to what happened next, we have to cover off what almost happened next. As, uh, as Sam mentioned and he actually pulled out before before Robinson's odds plummeted and he got the job um, I pulled out the last McBookie screenshot of uh, of the odds um, I, I don't have the actual odds next to me but the favourite at that point Scott Brown who see to be fair to him has gone and done a reasonable job at Fleetwood I'm not making that up am I? No, I think he's I think he's done quite well apart from uh, Sean Rooney trying to fight Gordon Duncan. Yeah. Um, do you mean like Scott Brown? I, I don't necessarily think it would have been the worst thing in the world, but he, he probably had to leave Scotland. I think to go and do what he's done. But uh, yeah. Scott Brown, favourite, narrowly behind him, Stephen Naismith, and then it gets interesting. Derek Adams, Oof. Tommy Wright, Kevin Thompson, Paul Lambert. And Darren Ferguson, where you're in, and uh, Lambert and Darren Ferguson were like because he played for the club and his dad managed the club, and they were stuck on because people had asked to bet on him. They were like 30 odd to one. So if you didn't get Robinson, you were getting 
a first-time manager or Derek Adams or Tommy Wright. Aye. That's the thing, like, the likes of Brown, uh, Naismith and Thompson, to be honest, I would have been happy with any of them, maybe, like, two or three jobs down the line. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Kevin Thompson's going to be a fantastic manager, but Ooh. I don't think St. Martin is, like, a a work experience, give this a try before you get the job you want, Aye. kind of thing. And if that's that's the feeling I got that with these names being bandied about. Yeah. But compared to those other names you mentioned, I was almost talking myself around to ask ah, Scott Brown to be a good manager, wouldn't he? <laughs> Part of me wonders was that just because there was there was nothing else getting linked with us at all. So it was really the best of a bad situation and trying yeah. to convince yourself that yeah, like it's actually not that bad. Or something. Because I was Robin... on Baldwin. I was on Baldwin yeah. Naismith. I think uh, well, probably we'll touch on the other the, the the funny point about the Naismith one, but uh, like yeah. I think a lot of people actually forget that he's on Steve Clark's coaching staff for the national mm. team, which means he's obviously got something about him. He's by all accounts very highly rated at Hearts by Robbie Nielsen, yeah. Yeah. who didn't want him to go. I think Robbie Nielsen kind of said he didn't want him to go. I think they. <laughs> Did Nielsen not originally get the Hearts job off the back of being their youth yeah, coach under yeah. Levine and getting kind of groomed to take over? Yeah, I think that was what Jack Ross was in there for before something happened. Yeah. What uh, happened, Sam? Extra, extracurricular. Um, <laughs> uh, he was doing stuff outside his job role that uh, affected it. His jam role. <laughs> but I, I think that's I think that's what the, the long-term plan for, for Naismith is at Hearts. And, yeah. Sorry, see if you're been touted as good enough to be the Hearts manager more than good enough to be the St. Martin manager I think so and um, you, you mentioned it there sort of I don't think that it helps when you're being linked with a Scotland coach who's been touted as like the next big coach and then a former chairman who should know better a former chairman who probably at that point even was considering his return to the club in some capacity tweeting a screenshot of I don't even know if it is Stephen Naismith's dad or if it's just a guy with a surname yeah. Naismith no as it is he's dad a screenshot of his dad's LinkedIn because he worked at the kibble saying oh so we see where this comes from then former chairman of the club is like tweeting LinkedIn screenshots like it's Q and on Q and Naismith it certainly stoked the fire a wee bit just insane. Like you can have your feelings about one thing or the other, but throwing that kind of stuff about about a guy who's like on the Scotland coaching staff, as if he's only going to get a job because his dad books buses for a company. Like, what? What the fuck? Oh, Professional trained by the SFA slash SF SPFL secret police. <laughs> Need to. Make accusations about folks' dads. <sighs> Let's leave it there. We hired Stephen Robinson after all that, and uh, he came out of nowhere, didn't he? It came out of the blue. Uh, I don't wonders, think he was. Was he ever mentioned or linked before? I don't think so. He showed up on the odds right before it happened, uh, and part of me thinks that we were probably always talking to Morecambe. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, and and like telling Scott Burns. You know, like giving Scott Burns a wee piece of paper saying, Oh, by the way, Scott, we're definitely going to hire one of these two idiots. <laughs> Scott had a Scott had a shocking few months for about then. I, yeah. I suggest uh, you get a better source. I think we only told him for two months that Connor Ronan uh, wasn't he signing for Hearts or Aberdeen, but he, he obviously knew better than we did at the time. So, yeah, 
But uh, yeah, Sam, you can pick it up from from here. Well, I think uh, maybe I think I remember the day that the Rob Robinson got appointed. Like we were all pretty buzzing. Like the buzz around the place was really good. Like uh, obviously we were. We did. We ended up going on a, a pretty bad run when Robinson came in, but I think there's a lot of things to kind of. There's a lot of kind of reasons why that might have happened because obviously we were off the back of what was a good run under under Gooden and then obviously Langfield and McManus took the took the team for a game and oh, the results weren't great. Like I don't think any of us really tried to say at the time that he was doing a good job. I think we were more just trying to put it into perspective. Like he's yeah. a guy who wants to complete wants to play a completely different way than what Goodwin was doing. He wanted the team to be fitter. We weren't fit enough. He wanted the team to be a bit more solid defensively. I mean, in Goodwin's last season, we weren't solid defensively. Mm-hmm. He wanted us to be pressing from the front. We didn't have guys who wanted to press from the front other than Grieve. And at that point, Grieve was still really raw. He's just kind of... He wasn't really pressing in the right way that you would see him do now because it's obviously been drilled into every single player in the team but the the complete head's gone at the manager in the first month in, in April especially I think I'm kind of touching on some of the games like the the Motherwell game that we lost 4-2 in where he was allegedly sarcastically clapping the fans after the game which didn't happen they clapped the fans and then clapped the club that uh, got him his start in professional football management. I think he was just there for just the six years in total uh, that gave him a complete kickstart in his managerial career. There's obviously the the loss to Dundee United where I think actually might have seen the worst reaction, in my opinion. I think the the one that McNulty scored in the last minute, I think it was yeah. a, there was a proper heads gone after that game. And I think Robinson... Uh, I think that was the day that he had a bit of a go at one of the fans that was sitting in the crowd, which, I mean, everyone, the guy that everyone wanted in the job. I think the, the more like vocal with the Submarine fans at the time were folk who wanted Jack Ross to be the manager. It's just fair enough if you take out his managerial record since he's left us, because he's not really done a good job anywhere he's went. I still feel, I still feel some folk are pretty harsh on Robinson, but April was... April was very hard to, to try and defend them at times. I don't know what you think, but it was it was getting tough. I don't think any of us said at the time when and, and when you say defending them, it's as if you're trying to defend aye, aye. results and performances, which I don't think was the case. I don't think any of us were saying he was doing well. I don't even think any of us were saying that what he was doing was acceptable. Mm. No, I think we were just asking for perspective. No. I think that kind of got lost in the lost in the kind of fury of it all that all of us just kind of seemed to be on the same wavelength with, with each other, which was, yeah, Goodwin had won four and five before he left, but he'd also won four and 17. Three and, and 20, three and 20 before he, before the, the break league. in total. Yeah. Uh, in in but, total before the, the break. Do you mean that's not a good record? Like three in the last four before then, it's like fair enough. Like no one's, no one's going to take that away from him, but. We weren't suddenly a great team. We'd had a, a bump in form and then the guy who'd, you know, absolutely turned the team round over the Christmas break and got that, that bump in form left. That's also his responsibility just as much as 
the matches before the good run of form were and just as much as the good form was, you, you can't take one without taking the rest. And and I think you I think you nailed it, Sam, with with what you were saying about Robinson from from everything that, that we've ever been told, from everything, you know, we went and listened to Robinson's interviews and that podcast he did while he was the Motherwell manager. Like, I mean, I've spoken to I've spoken to fans of um, Morecambe and I think I even spoke to someone who who else was it he managed for? I shot was it Oldham. Oldham, hi. Oldham. It went and tracked down like comment from Oldham fans about it. Like literally everyone says he's like meticulous. He's his whole thing only works when folk are buying into what he's doing and fulfilling really, really disciplined, regimented roles that he's asking them to do. And you can see that in the way that we play now. We've gone down to ten men in the last two games and by and we've conceded one goal. We're like a very, very well-drilled, well-organised team, but that only works if literally everyone knows this is what I need to do, and if I lose the guy next to me, I need to step in and and do this. And I think you come into our squad, which was just a bit chaotic at that point, and we were putting three first-team players on the bench for games. You know, there was two goalkeepers and two centre-halves on a bench and, and all that kind of stuff. You've got guys playing out of position, like Ryan Flynn's 34, coming off an injury and probably played like three or four different positions to, to cover across that period of time. Like you're you're relying by the time they don't left, you're relying on Alex Grieve coming from the level that you've been playing at to like score winners he starting, and, and like, he, he was starting games away at Ibrooks and stuff. Like that that's that's the situation. so the, the form was good, but the foundations weren't. And I think everyone expects a new manager bump, but you know that happens when you're having a shit run and you in someone and then someone comes in like I think it's a deceptively difficult job to come into you know a total personality thing where a guy's been the entire club no no head of recruitment you know none of the rest of it for three and a half four years and you're coming in and instantly expected to keep that going or to to make it better without having a full squad a squad of players that kind of buy what you're selling and who follow in I can understand entirely why he would you know, like you would have a temper on him towards the end of last season when you're, you know, you're you're asking Dean Linus to have wrists. I had I've got that down here like that. I think that and it yeah. just I think it sums up how like crazy some folk were actually getting with what was going on. Like there was serious shouts to drop Jack Anik, yeah, as our number one. Who I still I I still think Anik's the best goalie I've seen at St Mirren. I love Trevor Carson, I love Hladke. I don't think there's much of a drop-off for Carson as for Anik, but like Anik was a terrific goalie who, yeah. like Carson's doing just now and like Hladke done before, won his points on their own. But it was just, I think it just kind of sums up how crazy everything was getting at the time. Like People were... I've never seen people criticise the formation so much in my life. Everybody became like tacticians overnight and were telling the manager what to do and... I, I I did I felt really really bad for Robinson at the time and I, I'm still surprised they actually stuck around and put up their shape but I think it's just such as the guy is I think I said earlier he strikes me as a guy who does not care what anyone thinks about him he'll do it his way he doesn't need input from the outside he knows that if every as you said if everyone buys into what he wants to do then it will work and we're seeing it now so. Was it after the Motherwell game that he quote unquote lost the dressing room when he threw uh, the players under the bus? Aye. Yeah. Uh, that was when he had said they had spoke to a few players and said that they wouldn't be here next year. 
which something again, that every manager says at that time of year. Yeah, yes. like, everyone, were, I think the same weekend Goodwin gave literally the same interview in Aberdeen. Yeah, yeah so many things. The same weekend. So yeah. many instances of him doing saying things in interviews that was just so incredibly unremarkable that was just met with such a monumental heads gone. And yeah, like you touched on there, Sam, I think I, I was, there was points where I was expecting him to just say fuck it okay. and leave and you could not have begrudged him doing so had he done that at all. So I credit him for staying and yeah, it definitely doesn't strike me as somebody that will placate the fans and I, he's very much do it, does it his way and doesn't really care what what people says, sorry, what people say, and I, the clubs, just all the better for it, as far as I'm concerned. Aye. Well, I think he's kind of, uh, I think he's kind of changed. Sorry, Sam. I think he's kind of changed the way right. he talks now as well. I think he gets out in front of stuff more mm-hmm. now as well. Yeah. Like we saw, like Aye. me and Craig got to sit in on the the press conference after the the Kelly game, which is all kind of out in the paper and stuff now, so you can. You can talk about it, and he, he gave that kind of one-liner about, you know, despite what some people might say, we're one player over budget, and that's it. And as well, he's, you know, the signing of Richard Taylor, he's not. He could just say, you know, he's an affordable bit of cover and a place on the park which we we didn't really have covering, and we need to be deeper than that if we're going to sustain form. He went beyond that and said, we've created a bit of room with Jay Henderson going on loan. This buys us six months to have a look at him. I think we'll get more out of him and we've got an option to extend. And he just doesn't leave the room for those kind of things to be misconstrued now. I don't actually think he's saying anything different to what he did before, but he's just removing any room for you to to argue about it afterwards. Which is I, you know, what I mean it's fair enough, it's I, just kind of sad that you have to. And yeah, also not not to kind of take words out of your mouth, but what you guys were saying about his reaction to the Erehon red card, you were saying he was he was getting Kind of drilled by the press to, was, yeah, to make a comment on that. I thought he handled that really well. Yeah, it kind of felt like because we we heard maybe two or three different people ask him a variation of the same question, trying to get him to kind of throw Ehon under the bus a wee bit, and he just it wasn't biting at all, was he? It wasn't mm-hmm. bite. It wasn't for buying it. He's the kind of guy that's obviously just gonna publicly say, "I'll put my arm around him and have a word with him," and then privately, it'll probably yeah. tear through him to an extent, but mm-hmm. in a way that is constructive and lets him kind of work on it. Yeah, I just don't think he... He just doesn't seem to suffer any of that pish mm-hmm. at this point. And I, th- I think a lot of that comes off of that period at the end of last season. But uh, end of April, it ended in a... It finally ended on a high note for a couple of reasons. Beat St Johnston 1-0. Obviously changed the shape, went into a, what's now the, the staple, 3-5-2, and the reincarnation of a guy who I'm guessing is going to get a lot more mentions throughout this podcast, Curtis Main. You run out of words to describe how the turnaround in the space of, I think they've completely turned fans done on him in the space of six months. I've never seen anything like it. I've never, I've never seen anyone go from being completely slagged by every single person in the support, like groans every time he was on the ball in the stadium, to a guy who now needs to play every single time he's fit. Yeah, the 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 way he <clears> took <throat> that finish, um, was that St Johnston? Dundee, uh, no, it's was the, it Dundee. Dundee. No. on his on his left foot was just 
you know, I probably say stuff like this a, a bit too much, and you know, like with the levy, you know, the levy stuff and like penalty saving, or the a younger save, sorry, and all the rest of it. Like, but main scoring that and the reception he got right after is is honestly up there with with anything else in terms of like satisfaction in our, in that stadium. Just so so vindicating. Was a guy who was knocking his pan in to try and be better. At the start of the year, I just didn't think he had the ability to do stuff like that. You know, I think as well, Robinson touched on it. Like, he, he, I mean, Goodwin completely missed it out, but Robinson said like he was playing with the need for an operation for the majority of the year. Yeah. And as soon as I think he obviously took his chance when he got it, the fans were, I think there were still a few fans that were actually still maybe a wee bit on his back at the start of this season. Yeah. Well, but I mean, you fast forward it. Every single guy. I mean, like, I know he didn't score on. I know he didn't score on Monday there, but he was for ninety minutes. He was just an well for I think it was eighty minutes. He got just an absolute pest for the whole the, of the game. The depression of two men. Yeah. He's just, he's an animal. He's an animal, and he's integral with the way we play now. He's so important to the team, and he's got quality. I think that's I'd the like thing. I know um, if, if, if out of context boys are listening and want to go and find me talking shit about him, the <laughs> the Celtic game, you know, the nil-nil, the COVID game, where um, is it, it's either offered or Henderson goes on that run and then lays off main and he, like, breathes on the ball and sends it back to the Celtic keeper. And I'm pretty sure I was, like, exceptionally harsh at that point, like, about how Aye. if you can't even hit a kind of firm shot on target at that what are you doing? You're not a striker at that point. And just to go from, which, you know, it's, it's harsh for me, but at the same time, the performances weren't weren't there. To go from that to where he is now is is astounding. And I think that that Dundee goal was the kind of, the proper tipping point into, he's he's meant what he's done there. It's, it's a bit of genuine quality. And we're getting to a point now where he's probably the hardest worker in the team and he's getting rewards off the back of it so I'm just so happy that that's the that that's the case Aye but uh, moving on to me again just I think obviously the wee unbeaten run really really bought Robinson a, a lot of time like I think it it started to turn a lot of people into believing in what he wanted to do and people were more people were a wee bit happier by giving him the summer obviously you know, two 0 nil draws to end the season. But before that, obviously Mark touched on the game that Main scored against Dundee. And he obviously won two 0 that day. Charlie Adam, can he can he talk about maybe mentioning that ball in for Alex Greaves opener oh. that game? <laughs> Magnificent. Here. That's the third funniest like thing that's happened in that box. Aye, the gif of him Aye. slapping his own head is yeah. will live on and in for me. Aye, but I, th- I think uh, obviously we said farewell to a few. You know, really good servants to the club. Obviously, a couple of ones that were only there, kind of shortish term, like Matt Miller, uh, Alan Power as well. Alan Power, who I, I thought was course, yeah. pretty good, but I mean, you look at our midfield now, Alan Power gets, uh, uh, Alan Power doesn't even go on the bench for Submarine now. And I think Alan Power's a good footballer, but obviously, it said goodbye to Jack Anik, Connor McCarthy, and uh, the one man team, the guy who actually got Jim Goodman uh, the Aberdeen job. Conor Ronan, who <laughs> for 
I think for the first two or three months of that season was playing like a man, for the first two or three months of the year was playing like a man possessed. Yeah. He was yeah. hell bent on taking us to the top six and obviously it didn't happen. And he's now at Will sitting on the bench and he's he's better than being a bench player. I think he obviously doesn't need to go out and start games, but it was it was sad to see players like that go. I think McCarthy, obviously kind of Goodwin done what Goodwin does and fell out with him for whatever reason. I think he obviously opted to play done. We never really seen much of him, but a good I think serve. He said he was going to sell him and then and then didn't. I just I think he only I remember when Dunn got injured away at Livingston at the, the start of 2021. He he got subbed on and he scored in the League mm-hmm. Cup and he played him after that and then again randomly just dropped him for no reason, like he usually does and like he still does now. Uh, but aye, good, good servants to the club, especially Anik. I thought Anik was superb for the two two years he was here. Uh, it was nice to see him captain the team on his last game and it was obviously in May as well. I think we touched on it earlier, the wee cheeky dig at the end of the game, at the Aberdeen game. Obviously, Drew Hill now, Erehon on the pitch, puts up a picture of him shaking Jim Goodman's hand on his Instagram when Lee Evan comments, my bro, JG, uh, which Erehon then replies with laughing faces and had a couple of first-team players like the comment from Erwin. <laughs> <laughs> so... Aye, uh, a, a good a good way to end it, but uh, I think it really just put the put the ending on a season that could have been so much more. When we were in January, we filled with so much hope, and then it just it did just kind of peter out. But I think everyone at that point, just before the split, was just ready for the season to end. To be honest, and it could have been so much more, but can't get away from in January. It could have been so much less. Oh, I big time. as well. Like that, we were that five week spell away from having a genuine relegation season. Aye, like being in a playoff. It's, Aye, it's nice. I think it was maybe that that Connor Ronan late goal away at Dens Park. Indeed, aye. That was the moment. Like, had we not won that game, or even worse, lost that game, like we were very much. Is that the tap out. in off the Henderson cross? Oh, Exceptional scenes when that went in. Yeah, Aye, we did nothing that entire game, did we? That did you, I think we had most of the ball, and it was it was, it was so like polar opposite to, to what we do under Robinson. Now I set up in a four three three that night. We had most of the possession. We had, I think, Jordan Jones missed a couple of sitters. He uh, did, yeah. And it just felt as if Robinson was never going to get his first win, and then obviously a wee bit of moment for a wee bit of quality for for Hendo and a brilliant moment for. For Ronan again, to be honest, but aye, it was. It was. I just wanted the season to end. One of the ones we you talk as much about your a five game runaway for it being a relegation battle. You're probably only one win away for Jim Cooper not actually going to Aberdeen during that that same run, are you? Aye, I know we're kind of going back a bit here, but that's, that's such fine margins. Aye. I mean, we missed out in the top six by like what three points, I think, on the last day. I think, I think yeah. we were, I think about Motherwell were only a point ahead of us or something, like considering how shite we were. Mm-hmm. I know we missed out, we never missed out by much. So, but fast forward to a month after the player of the year, Dubin, Mark's asking under 21 New Zealand strikers about bird baths and pestering some on players for, for voice notes, which was. Excellent. We've still got them all here. Still, they still... Don't uh, don't do down Craig's shift of chasing Curtis men into toilets and 
you know the rest of it. <laughs> I think I got Stephen Robinson as well. Aye, I think the Stephen Robinson one is very muffled. We have like ten different voice notes from that night, and we only ever played the Alan, Alan Power, Power one on the pod because the yeah. rest Jamie just never bothered to add to the. Including <laughs> a bit of personal abuse towards Ross Davidson from the uh, Captain Joe, which was good, very good. I forgot about that. Um, and then a subsequent voice note of him profusely apologising because <laughs> he's obviously just a lovely yeah, guy. Just, <laughs> Doesn't like saying bad things. Wait, I mean, he does apologise, but then says uh, at the end, but you are a helmet. Yeah. So. <laughs> Ross Davidson's a helmet. <laughs> he is going to be a math teacher at like, uh, uh, like the grammar in like three years' time. Nah, I might do it. That wee guy did in Bears Den and go back to go back to school at like 29 just so he can be my teacher. <laughs> Billy um, Madison's style. Aye. Don't know if any. Don't know if any of you remember MC Devil. Aye, I do. <laughs> they turned into a. He ended up being a teacher and get found out two or three years ago and get sacked because wow. of. Wow. I didn't know he was a teacher. That's a shame, Aye. man. I'm trying to find the story after this. I absolutely love Devil. Aye, that'll Aye. be good. But you know, obviously, me ended. You know, as I said, a lot of guys left, but we had uh, a few. You know, I think one of the main things we had, obviously we, we put this out on Twitter and went on to Pine Bovril and we never were on the Facebook pages for obvious reasons. Uh, I think uh, one of the points made by DJ Chapsticks on Pine Bovril uh, was you know, a good point. It was one that I was kind of completely forgot about, like the importance of having a, a head of recruitment. I think Foyle came in a couple of weeks after Robinson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think so. But I think June's probably the time that I think uh, June and July, I think we'll tie into when we move on to Craig's part a bit like I th- it was just we were so prepared. I think we had, you know, obviously back is signed pretty early on in April time. Obviously it took a wee bit for the visa to get in and go over the line. We had signed O'Hara, we had like obviously agreed for Trevor Carson to come in. I'm guessing all the groundwork was done for guys like Younger, then Olasanya, etc., all to come in as well. And I just think that we were we were so prepared and you know, League Cup aside that we'll touch on, it's it's shown. And I think having a guy, I don't think it can be understated how important it is to have a guy like Martin Foylan, who I think some guys he's going to sign aren't going to, they're not all going to work out. Like Motherwell, I think the year that they finished third had signed four or five wingers. I think there was Sherman, Seedorf, uh, Hilton. There was a couple others. And, you know, a couple of them worked. A couple of them didn't. Like, but the ones that did work, and I think you look back to guys that he signed from relative obscurity, like guys like Ben Hennigan and Cedric Kipre and Louis Moulton, he's sold them on for, you know, ridiculous amounts of money. And, you know, Richard Taylor might turn out to be one of the guys. Olisanya might turn out to be one of the guys. But I think it's just so much better than having your manager just rely on his contacts, really. Yeah. It, it lets the manager focus on... I'm, I'm guessing it'll go with Robinson Hotel. Foil, what he's looking for. Foil will go out, give him four or five options. They'll go further, bring him in or whatever, go and watch them, and then they'll work like that. And it's just such a, it's it's a far better way to work than what we were doing before. And but I, I think on the pitch, the, the on the pitch operation, the off the pitch operation, it's just so much more professional now. I think everyone from top to bottom will tell you that it's we're, we're just far more professional. Football and wise than we ever have been, I think. We've got good mm-hmm. players on 
contracts with more than six months on them. There's decent players with like resale value joining us on two year deals or three year deals. And do you get them on loan? Eh, I don't know. No, how do, actually. no, no we don't. No. The first, the first loan signing we've really properly been linked with, I think, is Alfie McAlman. Yeah. Who yeah. was it on loan at Morecambe for Robinson before? So even then, it's not. It's a known it's quantity. A, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just it's talking about yeah, like being prepared and even looking at what's happening with like Arminsky the last few days and Kelty as well. Just getting all these guys. Sam's making a face at Arminsky. Um, just. Getting all these guys signed up early and actually having a, the bones of a good squad in place without having to have a turnover of 10, 12 players every summer because it's not it's not sustainable to keep going it's on no that good. way, is it? It's no good no. for anybody, but I just it's just so refreshing to see. And I think as well, it's, it's just kind of the Richard Taylor deal is a guy that we would usually have brought in and tied him down to an 18 month contract. He might not have been great and we're looking to shift him on after six months, but he's just hanging around because he's either waiting for a payout or we're just going to be tied to him for a year. But it's so smart to, you know, we've said right there, six months, if you're good enough, then you can work towards having an extension and then we've got an, another asset on our hands, maybe, if he's a good six months. Because who's to say, Dunn doesn't get injured, Taylor comes in the team, plays well for six months, plays really well, gets us in the top six. He's got a bit of attention about him, and we've got the option to extend, and we can make a bit of money on him. It's, aye, it's just so refreshing to see. He's been so much more, so much more organised with transfers, and it's obviously I, I will be, I'll be gutted to lose either Bacchus or Erehon, but I don't really have any like doubt in my mind that Foyle's probably already got a list of guys that we're looking at to replace either or. I think um, Jay Henderson's quite a good example of. And there's something that the, the club's doing well at the moment because Robinson clearly sees a future for Henderson at the club. Just for whatever reason, we can't seem to fit him in the current system. But whether it's under Robinson or after Robinson, you know, managers only tend to have a, a shelf life of what two or three years on average. So Robinson kind of sees past that and thinks there's a place for Henderson at the club, kind of long term and to send him to Inverness to get a bit of football under him and come back, the better for it. It's a, it's a smart decision that will benefit the club and it just seems like the latest in a long line of smart decisions and there's been a lot in the past where that's not been the case and we're, we are making sensible decisions that, you know, will benefit us long term and, yeah, it's just it's really good to see. I think it's genuine player trading. It's using the market as a market. You're shifting around value to create value and then seeing what you can do with more money to spend on it. I think this, it's, it's, it's planning for the future as well. Taylor, he was a left-footed centre-half that can play, ideally play on the left of a three, could also play as a, you know, a traditional centre-half or as a, a left-back if, if needed, which mm-hmm. is an area where we don't have much cover. But more than that, Dunn's contract up at the end of the the season. And um, unless I'm wrong, I'm 99% sure he is. Nothing you're right. And all the talk previously is that Dunn was brought in on a fairly hefty a hefty wage. So Dunn's, I mean, I thought Dunn had one of his best games in a summer shirt against Kilmarnock, but I'm not. Um, 
I'm not too sentimental about it. If, if Dunn's getting like a really, really solid wage compared even to the rest of some of the other earners in our squad and his contract's coming up and you can move that on and then you've got a guy who, you know, Robinson's been up front that the wage that he's getting paid is a pittance. You know, it's, I think he's, I think he'd literally said, you know, the more we can bring guys in on like six, 700 quid a week and see what we can do in terms of value, you know, the better. That's how I operate. You've got first teamers and then you've got guys on that kind of money trying to, to prove something. If, if, if we get to a point where Taylor has to play and we can then turn it into a 12 month deal in the summer, you've replaced them. Who's on a, who's a, you know, a top earner. No. On, a, on a fraction of the cost and you've got that ready to go and at the same time I'm sure as you're saying Foyle's already away looking at who the next guy is that's maybe got a three year deal in them and if, if Taylor's not maybe that guy long term I just think it's a totally different way for us to do business. It's, it's just not how I've known us to do business for the longest time we, we've we've always smacked of some, you know, someone sitting in study leave for their standard grades and you're like right shit maths is on Friday let's study cram 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 get maths <laughs> out the way and then your maths exam's finished and you're like oh fuck English is on Monday and then your Saturday Sunday just absolutely cram and you get English out the way and it's like shit physics is tomorrow like that's that's how I feel we've done our transfer business for the longest the longest time it's get yourself to the next window and then see what you can do and it doesn't feel like that's how we're doing it anymore mm. well that's me for the month of June and July. That's this is where the fun begins. I actually think I've got the most straightforward <laughs> section of this because it's I I mean hatred. It's just that July was just a weird month, wasn't it? I mean you've got the the friendlies. I don't really want to spend any time talking about the, the closest we've gotten to a European trip over the past few seasons and a, a trip away to Linfield. <laughs> I wait to stay in Robinson's missus' hotel in Northern Ireland. Um, they get beat. Joe Nyunga not, not scored an absolute wonder goal against Lanfield as well. Yeah, he did. The it's, fucking peach. From uh, left wing. Remember when he was a left winger? Then he was going to that. Nah. No, I no, wish I did. I know a couple of folk that went over. And, uh, it seems like, it seems like a good time. Uh, okay. um, and then obviously Hartlepool decided they. Couldn't be our bringing the eight players that they had fit up to players in that preseason <laughs> friendly. It got cancelled with no notice, I think. Now the the real juice in the fruit was the disastrous League Cup campaign that just led to so many collective heads gone. So it starts out with scrappy, fair to say, one 0 defeat Tarbroth. I was pumping our broth for 93 minutes and not scoring and then snatching one, which apparently means we're the worst football team in the country. And that's not one that doesn't set alarm bells ringing, but everyone was very clearly split into two camps at that point. You have one camp defending it as a poor result in isolation, given that our broth took Kilmarnock right to the wire last season in the league. And then the other camp, surprised that a team of plumbers and electricians who'd had no pre-season to speak of up until that point could put us to the sword like that and I think I was kind of maybe in the middle yeah. it's a poor result but we should be doing better I don't think any of us denied that for even a second that that was the case but then you move on to the next one but the next one was a case of barely outperforming League 1 with the League 1 at that point Lowland League actually Cowden Beef Aye. 
Lonely. Lonely. Yeah. Before we get absolutely shagged out of the cup by Airdrie. And I think that was when the heads gone proper started that game. I remember the video of the booze at full time. Aye, the knives were totally out. I mean, yeah. it's Robinson and his, his band of he talk about the signings that you brought in. I know Mark Jobber, such as Ryan Strain, who was unanimously, and I mean unanimously, unanimously in a Facebook group of 16 people, was written off after his, I think that was his first 90 minutes of football since January. Don't think he played a single minute of football from January until he signed for us and turned up against Airdrie. Yeah. Airdrie managed by a guy that's the same age as Jurassic Park as well. Like, it's not, um, it wasn't great. He is, he is younger than, than you and I, isn't he? Yeah, it's just Sam. That, uh, it's just Sam that's got the advantage. I a few years. Um, Frightening. I. Aye, and the, the the tide kind of starts to turn a wee bit after that, after we're about out of the cup already, with nothing to play for. And by the tide turning, I mean the highlight of the Edinburgh City game being Keanu Bacchus basically stepping off a plane, getting a bus over to Sitmourne Park and starring for the 75 minutes that he was on the pitch. It was so good. Like It, it was so good, but it came with the caveat of, well, it's Edinburgh City, it's like... A it's dead rubber. A yeah. It's a dead rubber, which is completely fair. It's it's yeah, it's accurate, but that level of performance hasn't dropped at all, really, has it? He's he's had maybe very slight blips over the course of the season, but by and large, he's joined the team after a probably only a couple of training sessions, and he's not been out of it apart from the one game that he missed, which I think was against Rangers. No, Bear in mind, Johnston. Uh, he came on against Rangers. Johnston game, yeah. Bear in mind that by the time we played that Edinburgh game, I don't have the posts in front of me, but we mentioned them at the live show. By the time we played that Edinburgh game, there was a guy who said that he'd been to his first game of the season and he wouldn't be back <laughs> for the rest of the year. And another guy who had said, well, that's the season over. <laughs> Before the Edinburgh game. <laughs> is, that, is, that the same, is, is that the same person that said they would go see Newcastle play? Because no. of the cost of- was that a different person? No, different that's person, someone else. Yeah. yeah, he said a ticket for someone was too expensive, so he was going to pay £140 to get the train to Newcastle. Before he's got his ticket. Yeah, before he bought his Newcastle ticket, <laughs> which was more expensive. That was, that was my July highlight, but I think the real highlight is when Stephen Robinson was very tenuously and distantly linked with a mother bell job and people actually wanted to see him go. <laughs> for the he love of out, God, please. Those people have went quieter than Glenn on Black and White Army in recent times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One one guy who doesn't even co- like comment about submitting anymore is Lex. I've not seen that guy speak on Twitter in about six months since that Motherwell game. You do also have to think, see if Robinson had taken the Motherwell job at that point, who the hell would we have got to replace him at that point? Graham Alexander. Or in Kearney. Think back oh, both of them are as bad as each other. <laughs> or Lee Sharp. But I, I, I just, oh, that that was mental that time. Like the amount of people that seriously wanted, like, thought it was a good idea to 
let a guy who's just brought in, I don't know, like what minimum like seven or eight players ahead of recruitment completely like reshape the pathway to the first team for the youth academy and thought, do you know what? Let's Not just let that. him go. A man who a man who we've paid compensation for, which <laughs> is, is unheard of for us to do that for a manager. But I let's just let him go because I'm not. I'm not sitting here saying that the League Cup campaign was anything other than a disaster. It was. It was terrible. None of us would claim otherwise. But I. It was maybe the 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 best kind of heads gone period. Just that maybe two or three months between April and July. Can you imagine we weren't fifth? Like how how bad it would be. I, I think if we were like ninth now, people would still be like losing the. Losing the heat on a weekly basis. Oh, hundred And if you look at if you look at our results, that's a win against Celtic and a point against Rangers away from being a bit closer to reality. Yeah. Yeah. Bear in mind, we also should have beat Rangers, so we probably should be. Like, <laughs> yeah. We should actually be clearing fourth now. But we, we were in. <sighs> Sorry if this, I'm assuming we're not going to mention this as like one of the talking points there. We're a Nicky Clark 96th minute overhead kick away Aye. from like the, the margins on some of this are just, yeah, yeah. That's, I, I had the most glorious um, Peter Drury line <laughs> on commentary that night, pre written for when we were 2 1 coasting for as soon as the final whistle went. And I just like in my mind, just mentally ripped it up and chucked it in the bin. It was absolutely gutted. <laughs> I can't remember. It's gone. No, nah, it's getting kept for. It's getting kept for the next yeah. time we play St Johnson. I have had this Life recurring, goal. this recurring dream of commentating on a, a Keanu Bacchus opener and screaming at the top of my lungs, "Bafana, Bafana, a goal for all of Renfrewshire." <laughs> could be worse. You could actually shout. Scream Bacchus for the buddies. Bacchus for the buddies <laughs> was fantastic. That's a great line. That's up there yeah. with the uh, it's the whatever Peter Drury said about the Roman. The Roman. Oh, it's return. a proper. It's a proper like Ian Crocker, Kenny Miller, Aye. always as you say on Derby Day, cheesy line, but <laughs> so good. Then moving on, the heat's gone into August, which was a mixed bag, but. There was some shoots of optimism, so this is when we started seeing proper Robo Ball emerging. And I think, weirdly enough, it was the the opening day defeat the Motherwell that mm-hmm. it left most sensible fans who'd actually kind of watched the game coming out of it, maybe thinking that if we turn up like that more weeks than not, we're going to do a lot of damage to teams across the league. And it was, I think we said at the time on the, the podcast we did just after it was it was genuinely just one of those days. And I think that's absolutely been proven by the the glowing home form I've had since then. It just it totally was just a blip in one of those games. We were just uh Liam Kelly away from battering them comprehensively that day. Yeah. Right, which, Liam Kelly having yeah, his David Marshall in Barcelona fluke. moment. Yeah. Right. Fluke because he's he's not gone on to have a great season after that, has he? Nah, not at all. No. No. He very much plays like Sean Kelly's brother. The majority of the time. Oh, it's, 
Aye, August was, I think because we had three months to bounce, didn't we? I, no, because I, I, I got it wrong when we were talking. The end of the month was when we done commentary, because that was our third win on the spin against Hibs. Against Hibs, though, one nil back. The but uh, obviously there was the, the, there was the Dundee United game before that, and I think we also beat Ross County at home. Aye, yeah, Rich, got, Richard got Tate, and as well, the, the three nil away Ross County, uh, Dundee United, sorry, was the... A bit of the kind of Curtis main show, wasn't it? Because he totally oh, ran so it that day. Um, that was an incredibly fun day. Yeah. I think maybe the most encouraging thing about that was that did Main and Ayunga not go off for Brophy and Grieve, who then combined no. to score the third? Yeah. So it was yeah. just, so, we, we looked so good at that point. It was just like, what can this team do? I think that was the, we might actually do something this year. Right. Point. And then we went on to do absolutely. Nothing away from home for the rest of the year yeah. <laughs> until the last opportunity we got at the end of the year. Um, what we need is Jack Ross to take over more teams. Uh, we'll be fine. I forgot. I, I forgot he was a manager of that day. I, I forgot as well. Yeah, that was a good laugh. That was a very good laugh. I think the the three goals we put past them was one of about seven hundred they conceded in a week. Uh, I think I remember they, they got beat nine 0 off a of Celtic. The week at, was it the week after or the week before? It was I think it I was, think the, it week was the week after. Yeah, they, it was after. Where was the the seven 0 in Europe as well? I can't, was, quite, I can't quite remember the order that was the of same the games. Of the, it was us, Alkmaar, Celtic. I think. Wow. I, which I nineteen that, goals. I think before <laughs> that they did not concede four to Hearts as well. Yeah, yeah, I think I, so. Which. That game that they get beaten 9 0. I remember they kicked off at the same time as us, and I went back and to check my phone like after I had finished playing. and I looked and I was like, There is, uh, I think I was the first guy back in the dressing room. I was like, By the way, United are getting cuffed here 9 0. And obviously, a very good few weeks after that as well. Because was the 9 0 his last game? I don't no. even know if it no, was. Hang on. Hang on. Yeah, I don't know the one. Uh, that really done really, really well. At least one. Very funny. Good laugh. Very pleasing. R.I.P. No. Speaking of things that weren't, weren't funny and pleasing, the away blip to St. Johnson that we said at the time was just a blip and it turned out not to be a blip because we mm. continued to be horsed in every game away from home. <laughs> <laughs> um I think one thing trying to be positive about that and there's not any positives to take was that unless I'm totally misremembering there wasn't really a massive amount of complaints or heads gone in the support it felt that by that time the tide had kind of turned on Robinson and most people acknowledged that yes yeah, it's, it's probably a blip we'll correct the course obviously we were, we did home wise but just away from home it continued but it's maybe the only positive to take out of that yeah. Aye, because it was not fun wasting a lot of money to go to these away games and getting absolutely rode every single time. And it wasn't even the fact that we were getting beat; we were getting beat like two or three now every time. It just, yeah. we just, it just made no sense. It still doesn't make any sense because it's the same team ostensibly playing the same way, and like it's not like yeah. the making a one abiding memory of just our away games is just Declan Gallagher looking round at his other defenders wondering how the ball went in the net it just seemed like everything that was drilled into so well at home 
just absolutely went out the window. We could not defend. I think I'm jumping about here mad, but the Ross County game where we get beat was it D2. D2. Each goal was worse than the the, the previous one. It was just yeah, unbelievably bad. bad defending by the same defenders who are film text purposes absolute rocks in Paisley. So it's just it's confounding. Easter Road was my first away commentary and it went from me and Jamie being so buzzing to by the 74th minute we were taking texts off his pal that was watching the beer shop to fit as many <laughs> words in as possible and even then in like the 75th minute we would try and say something that had the word in it and by the end uh, his pal Tommy would just be like texting us like hubba bubba and then we'd be like Hubba Bubba and Hibs have the ball move forward. <laughs> so, so by the time the final whistle went, I was like, I might not watch football again. So good. Commentary can be draining when you're getting abused online and getting pumped. <laughs> well, one game that I think we all wish we commented on was the, the highlight of September. It was also one of only two games we played that month, surprisingly. Wasn't it just the highlight of the month? It's possibly the highlight of the season Math so far. Life. <laughs> yeah. The the 2-0, of course, at home to Celtic, if anyone's been living under a rock for the past three months. But just not not even just winning because we've won against the old firm before at home. It happens every so often. Not as often as you like, but it does happen. But just being so comfortable and so well drilled in terms of just in terms of how we set up and I mean we had a clear game plan that we made work. I think it's also one of these games that's a total, total outlier in terms of looking at statistics. And I think it proves that you just can't look at a stat sheet and surmise how a game has gone over the course of 90, 95 minutes because I think yeah. on that day we had like twenty percent possession and percent yeah, Celtic had 500 passes more than us in that game. But I don't think Get anyone, it, uh, maybe better Celtic fans, but apart from that, I don't think anyone watching that from start to finish could honestly sit there and say that we just sat in hoping to get lucky and that was as far as it went. Aye. No. Tre- Trevor Carson caught every single shot that came near him. Tre- Trevor Carson didn't have a hard save to make. So good. That was the first time that I saw us beat the old firm. I, either uh, either side of it. Wow. I, I, I checked back like with my dad being a Celtic fan and with me, like with my old employer doing works for Daff a bit. Went to a few Celtic games in my time. And actually, until I was there to see us beat Celtic, the only t- team I'd previously seen beat either half of the old firm was Bayern Munich. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're, in, um, we're in good company I was going to say any time you know any of the, the so-called kind of weird teams get a result against the old firm you have Rangers Celtic fans that kind of cry anti-football um, I can't believe these these hammer throwers kind of did this to us and did this to football but that's not what that game was at all no, no. like for all the possession Celtic had they had it because we allowed them to have it and when we had possession we did so much more with it it was exactly yeah and we could still be playing that game and Celtic wouldn't have scored and yeah. it was just it was so refreshing to see us just have such a 
a well planned game plan but also to execute it so expertly and I think that's what Robbins has brought to us this season it's just every I think was it yesterday or today Trevor Carson was in the paper kind of talking about how defend um, where I shot Aye, and it's, it's absolutely occasional. Every everybody to a man knows their job, knows exactly where they should be and when, knows the kind of trigger points of when and when not to press. And aye, that, that Celtic game just very much seemed like a, a confirmation of this is who we are and we're definitely a, a force to be reckoned with because I think we got, still obviously you beat Celtic, you beat Rangers, all the press is about how, how bad they were, but I think we won a lot of admirers that day. Obviously, with the game being on being on Sky and stuff, so I was it wasn't an isolated incident. No, a very very sore head the next day. I can see Craig <laughs> still raging. He had to go back up to Stirling after that. But. Yeah, oh, I, I, it's one of my biggest regrets about living here. Honestly, it was an old time. I mean that bad way, but I think just one of the things that still annoys me about that the aftermath of that game and it died down a bit during the World Cup break and then it got right brought right back to the front by fucking Jim Goodwin of all people it's just how little credit we got after the fact oh, the way we played the narrative that we did part of the bus and we got lucky when you get Goodwin coming out in the press and saying that he took inspiration from the way that we played and then proceeded to rip all of that up and just fucking do nothing for I minutes. think he took inspiration for a game that we played against Celtic when he was the manager. But. <laughs> I've got a lot of time for I know we dug them out as part of that um, compilation of arrogance after um, after that game, but I've got a lot of time for some of the guys that do the, the Cynic um, podcast for, for, for Celtic and, and, and one of the guys in particular, the guy uh, Christian, who's got that I can't remember the name of the account now, so- is it? Lost in the half space or something. Uh, uh, Aye, he, he yeah. does a lot of the analysis, and he, the guy's really, really, really switched interesting on. Stuff. But, Aye, but um, I had I try not to do this as much now, but I had to like pick him up when he was talking about that Aberdeen game the other week and saying how similar that was to what Samarna had done. I was just like, it's just not, it's not comparable. You can't put eleven men behind the ball with no ambition to do anything, mm. and then compare it to us seeding possession, and then triggering a press at like a moment's notice and throwing four or five players you know on the break and we could have had more goals in that game I just don't think that you know we defended well and Aberdeen defended well and I think that's kind of where the similarity the similarity ends I just don't think there's any more in it than than that and I'm I'm by no means you know an analysis whiz or or anything like it I'm sure there's stats that would maybe dispute what I'm saying but I just I don't buy it. I think that was just a flawless game. I'm sure Celtic fans don't look at that Barcelona win as anti-football and them shithousing a win. I'm sure they look at it as swallowing pressure against a team which had much, much more than them in terms of resources and then picking their moments. And that's exactly what we did to them. And Celtic beat Barcelona? They should talk about it more. Do you know who scored that day? Because you never hear about this anymore. Tony <laughs> Watt. Is he still playing? I think so. I think so. He's, he's played for a couple of clubs. More clubs than Tiger Woods. Throw an old shy joke in there. It's been a long day. Uh, not uh, we don't have to get into the politics of it, but the combination of that game being on a Sunday and the fact that we all had a lovely bank holiday <laughs> lined up for the Monday after it. 
made Cheers, for, Lizzie. <laughs> made for one of the best Sunday night sessions of of my time of on this time. earth. Yeah, the, very, just, very good. Just the the utter Up heads in. gone of the last two hours in the wee house. Uh, I think part part of Sam chaos. might still be in the wee house. Part of his his essence, yeah. his being. His so soul's in a jar behind the bar now, just yeah. as a warning can, to others. Just vaguely remember screaming at people that you included that big fat Ange took the black and white Bobby for like a good few hours. But <laughs> a guy I bumped. I went into the after you left and went to the train station. Um, Sam, I was I was the last one still out and about and was making my way back to, to get my lift and I went into the bull for a solo drink and while I was in there I nipped for a, a piss and on the way out a guy who'd been in the wee house just hugged me <laughs> I think like in the way that like two soldiers would hug in like Dallas airport having been in NAM together <laughs> he just like we'd seen some stuff in the wee house and he was just like you know we were hope there. Hope your pals are right. Uh, you had to be there, and uh, we were, and we'll always have that. Glorious. I'm assuming by your silence, Craig, that that takes us to October. Aye. <laughs> I so you're up. I'll take the reins for October. I'm conscious of the fact we have been going for a few hours at this point. We've so not I've done a podcast. We've not put a podcast for two weeks or something. Aye. Yeah, just so I've, let them have I've it. picked. A specific moment from each month that I kind of that really stood out for me. So I'll start with uh, the first of October. We were playing Livingston at home. Uh, Seventy-six minutes in, we're one 0 up. A bit of a rammy in the goal mouth uh, leads to Bruce Anderson shot a goal. Uh, you know, you're thinking, is it going in? Does Trevor Carson have it covered? But you know, these aren't questions that matter to Jonah, the big fucking salmon Ayunga who takes matters out in his own hands and performs what must be the best diving save since Gordon Banks denied that recently deceased Viagra merchant, Pele, at the 1970 <laughs> World Cup. And, you know, received an incredibly funny red card in the process. And um, to, make the sit- to make the situation even funnier, it's former St Mirren, just brutality merchant, Sean Kelly, that steps up to take the penalty and just absolutely skies the ball towards Glasgow Airport in an act of attempted terrorism that would have had John Smeaton coming out of retirement. It's, of course, a game we would have, we would go on to win 2-1, thanks to a last-minute Alex Grieve winner. And, yes, yeah, a game that gave me the best moment I've seen at the Simon Stadium for a long, long time, you know, thanks to the hand of Jonah Ayunga. I think moments like this and... Luis Suarez, his handball against Ghana in the World Cup. I think they're real kind of litmus test for who gets football. Like, yeah. who can who who watches football for the right reasons? It was just, you know, it was chaos. It was drama. It was just pure shithousery. And it had it all. It was just beautiful. It was so good. If the name of this episode is not recently deceased Viagra Merchant, it's because I've been overruled. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I think I uh, might get us punted off talk sport. Ah, <laughs> uh, just scrap it. Like, just finish the podcast there, because that's my highlight. That, that's my highlight of 2023. <laughs> the, um, RIP, though. 
But yeah, Joe Nyunga's handball against Livingston is just incredible. Superb, man. If you gave think... me the choice of three 0 a three 0 win, or scraping a two one after that Joe Nyunga red card, I would take that every single day of the week. That was so funny. I think the best part of it was that Trevor Carson probably had it covered. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, he absolutely had it. It's a, it's a mirror image of what happened yeah. behind a younger, which it's, makes it all the more impressive. I say from a younger, if the yeah. the seasoned goalkeeper behind him is making the same movement. Oh, brilliant, man! And that game as a whole, you know, not not playing well, but winning and kind of winning ugly. And go until the final whistle and Alex Grieve getting his, I think it was what, maybe 92, 93 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of not knowing we're done. I think that that game was was brilliant. It was really, really good. They do was say it, that it, winning hilariously is the mark of champions. Yeah. And was it was it yourself, Mark, that was in comms that day? No, I was no. Uh, pissing myself close to death in the main stand that day. Oh. In, front of, in front of the Livingston commentator who can confirm, having met him now, Andrew, uh, on the 28th, as a thoroughly decent guy. Oh, yeah, brilliant guy. He was not a fan of how much I was <laughs> enjoying them my day. After that. Where, where were we on comms that day, though? Am I, I, think so. am I getting mixed up? I, I, don't know that, I don't know if that was one of the ones we had. Uh, oh, so good. If we I, had, I, we wouldn't have it anymore, because <laughs> we lost <them> <laughs> So, yeah, that was October. And um, talking about comms kind of takes us nicely to my moment of November, which was our game against Rangers and another Jonah Ayunga moment, which um, I think we might have the, the audio clip lined up here. And yeah, that was the, the clip of Jonah Ayunga's goal, which sent Sam and Jamie kind of semi-viral on Twitter. But, but we, were, we were pretty big time after that. Yeah. I don't think I did the podcast after it. Uh, yeah, a wee bit too big for my boots. <laughs> that was a day, you know, because when we play the old firm and we're working lucky enough to be offered the chance to do comms, uh, it's it's to let's just say it's to a much wider audience than Aye. than usual. You know, thanks to the recently deceased uh, Hesgo. Hashtag is every moment you mention G- GBNF. <laughs> is every mention you you mentioned going to be tag teamed with someone that's who's, recently who's departed? Aye. Yeah, but, oh, yeah. The the fact that they are obviously uh, massive fan bases. My first game was at Ibrooks, and you know, doing something for the first time, you're obviously you're not very good. You're kind of finding your feet, but doing that in front of it was frightening. And I had even done it before, and it was frightening. Yeah, the reaction on Twitter really, really put me off doing it, I'm not going to lie, but that Celtic game, there was a point where uh, when I'm sat in W6, I can kind of see see the commentary stand. And I I turned around to see... uh, Sorry, Rangers game, excuse me. So I turned around and saw Sam and Jamie just dancing, and it kind of made me rethink it. I just thought, we're being asked to do something that we've kind of all dreamt of doing, and let's just have, have fun with it, and... Mm-hmm. It, cut, it came through in that, that commentary I think yeah. you could tell that you were having just the best time and oh, I think we, so you won a lot fun. of admirers kind of outside the, the fan base for it I think I kind of get half of the East End of Glasgow buzzing that day but <laughs> I just uh, it was so much fun I, I think as well because the goal kind of 
they've come out of nowhere, but I never expected it to happen so quick. I did I actually did every. I, I thought I actually went into that game and I was like, yeah, we actually have a very good chance of winning today. And the goal went and it was just that was so much fun. And I think for like 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 we've all done when we've scored, you're first and foremost, we're all fans. Like you just completely forget where you are and you lose it. I gets really, really fun. And then quickly after you do realise that you're on a paid-for streaming service that thousands of people are listening to. It was, I loved it, and it was, it was probably my favourite moment I did in the commentary so far. It was my redemption arc for, uh, <laughs> for Ibrooks. Just absolutely gutted that Marcus Fraser had to... Uh, Marcus Fraser had to... Steal, steal, a, win, steal a win away from you guys. Aye, aye. Well, we've, as Mark said, if we got the commentary in the day of the Livingston game, we wouldn't have had it if we beat Rangers that day. We certainly wouldn't have the commentary. <laughs> so, aye, that was um, that was November for me. And uh, my moment of December was just um, a couple of weeks ago on Christmas Eve uh, where Jim Goodwin returned to Paisley with his Aberdeen side. Um, aye, the game just kind of had it all. It had a, a wonder goal from, from Matty Kennedy, of all people. It had three penalties, some of which went in, some of which went in off the keeper, some of which did they go in at all. And um, I just, it was a humbling for Goodwin and just a perfect way to to round off our home games of 2022. But the moment of the game and one of my moments of the season or football watching career potentially came on the 95th minute um, when the score was at 2-1. And quite importantly, with a good four minutes still of added time still to play, um, Aberdeen goalkeeper Kelly Roos makes the decision to go up for a corner. You know, something we do, something we see a lot, something I'm always a fan of seeing, to be honest. But as I said before, with four minutes still on the clock, it's a it's an odd choice of a last roll of the dice. But um, yeah, it's one that he decided to take and as the corner sails over everybody's head, because of course it does. You know, Trevor Carson clears it. So my attempted kind of head tennis on the halfway line by, I think it was Jack McKenzie, plays in Greg Kilty, who slots home into an empty net from about 35 yards. And it's worth mentioning, actually, that in lead-up to the to the Qatar World Cup, Jim Goodwin kind of preposterously tipped Kelly Roos for a call-up to the Netherlands team. Can you imagine he did that in a Louis van Gaal team? He would not be alive anymore. No, he'd be he would not be here. But I, the cherry on top of that kind of just absolute cake of incompetence came a couple of minutes later when Aberdeen were awarded another corner and with a score at 3-1, all six, six and a half thousand St. Man fans loudly shouted for Roos to make his way up again only to chant shite bag at him when he failed to oblige us. <laughs> so it was my favourite moment from December. Uh, a piece of pure football comedy that just got it right up Jim Goodwin. And it was just the perfect Christmas present. Jim Goodwin, Goodwin, in his interview after that, said, to be fair to Keller, you know, he almost scored <laughs> from the corner. He, he my might, head, he my head was near it. He clears it. <laughs> He, he gets he actually does it his and favor. He does it. Uh, he, 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 he lays off Carson. Yeah. He also he also makes no attempt. He just <laughs> jogs back. That, that, that oh, for me, that for me is the best part. Like yeah. I, I've I've played, I, I play in goals. Like, I've went up for corners before. 
when the, the ball drops to the opposition, you need to sprint for because, like, your life. But that guy's just in that situation, he knows he's not going to get it. But to save face, in terms of just footballing optics, bust your ass and run back as fast as he was just having a legendary no, show. Being like, under what's going to happen. Had- all the urgency of a man running for a bus that he already knows he missed. <laughs> it was just... <laughs> he phoned in the run back like an 81-year-old Viagra advertiser who knows that he's got no use for those pills anymore. He's not even been buried yet in my Yeah. Okay. The body's not even cold. Or, or hard. <laughs> <laughs> You can take a, you can take the red pill, or you can take the blue pill and have a synthetic erection. <laughs> R.I.P. to one of the game's true greatest figures. To, to a guy who is called the King of Football, maybe on, on behalf of all at Misery Hunters. To be fair, we've we've changed our stadium name that many times over the last few years. We'll probably call it the Pele Arena or something soon. So we'll call it the Boner Dome as a tribute. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, just what what a what a moment that was! That was so funny. Every the, part of it was so funny. The Getty had. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'll, I'll I'll come back on that. Forty minutes. Yeah, Between... on the on the Discord, I called it the Stadio <laughs> Olympicock. <laughs> uh, between like the I think the jet also as well. That that's not shy away for Jim Goodman. What he was wearing that day, the guy had brown jeans on. Aye, are they a thing? That, they are now, I think. Brown, brown jeans and a trench coat like that's a flashers coat that's ASOS Ancelotti material no he, he also needs to drop the drop the flashers coat he's wearing and just get back to the trackies he doesn't really suit this like rice like Reese or whatever it is like he, get the Reese catalogue off son, just get back to trackies get your Joma boots on and just remember who you are in his po- post match as well he referred to us as you know, the, the most physical side in the league or whatever, as opposed to the swashbuckling style of football that Jim Goodwin employs over his career. Can we talk about how funny the Anthony Stewart red card was as well? Yeah. Oh, 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 let's not forget about that. Trips him three yards outside the box. A guy and who's definitely getting the captain's armband taken off him tonight. Aye, horrendous footballer. It was a weird one because at no point did anyone in that stadium think it was or call for a penalty? Yeah. Like the Ryan Strain lined the ball up for a free kick a good three, four yards outside the penalty box. Oh, just not so, even, so funny, man. Not even close. That game had everything. Uh, on a personal note, waiting for the noise to die down after the third goal and then screaming from one block over from the dugouts that I wished Jim would have a Merry Christmas. <laughs> Felt like a, a real moment of personal validation. Because he heard it. He definitely heard it. Another great moment was, I think it was just before our third, uh, they got a corner in and Christian Ramirez and somebody else whose name escapes me, sorry. I think so, yeah. Something Duncan. Duncan. They kind of get in each other's way at the back post and um, miss what was a pretty open goal. And on the sports scene highlights, you can hear the two ball boys behind the goal just absolutely pissing themselves. (laughs) That, I can't believe we've done a full review of the calendar year and not mentioned the ball boy who managed to get Haxabanovich to square up to him in the Celtic yeah. game 
And then in the St Johnston game, when O'Hara put in what we thought was the winner, was giving it the full get it up yous to the away end. Good when that when that boy turns of drinking age, he's not buying a pint. No, absolutely no. not. He'll get a free drink and Paisley Craft beer, but we won't yeah. need to buy it because Jamie will not give him it. And there we are. We've made it. Twenty twenty two. I think that's our longest ever podcast. Yeah, and and really so there was a lot to a lot to cover. That was as long as a Leonard Cohen song, as um as Ross would say. What a quote that was. Which has now been used for this <laughs> podcast and a description of Johnny Sins. <laughs> and uh, on a, a man who couldn't be more different from Pelly if he tried. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's now twenty twenty three. We'll see you in another year's time for another hour and a half look back at some stuff that's... Some nonsense. Some funny stuff that's happened. Jim Goodwin might get sacked. We might be in Europe. We might get relegated. Jim Goodwin might be back at us. We might win away from home. Right. All these, uh, all these, right. All these things are possible. We, we might get to do commentary again. You know, all these things are are possibilities that we just might need to... to see. Lex might tweet again. Who knows? These things could... About these, something that isn't the Queen or the Tories. Yeah, these things could all happen. But uh, until they do, I'll leave it with a fuck Lee Griffiths. Wow. Fuck, that felt like three hours ago we were talking about him. <laughs> Ten months. Fuck James Michael Goodwin. I'll go for a fuck Robbie Nielsen. Oh, yeah, I'll go for Just a Hearty, fuck Syed Haxabanovich. And a uh, happy new year, you miserable pricks, you. Bye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.